Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. Jacobs picks it up. Jacobs, little reverse ball, oh, finds no. James. James in the penalty. Ball across. It's tapped home by Gavin Massey. Too easy. We left them all alone. Wigan finally count for all their pressure in the first half. It's a lovely reverse ball. Jacobs to find Rich James in the penalty area. His ball across. It's tapped home by Gavin Massey. And we're going to have the lead just before half-time. Forward to Massey on this Charlton right-hand side. He goes to Burn on the overlap. Burn back inside of Massey. Freezed on the edge of the six-yard box and buries it for number two. And once again, Massey had the freedom of the city in the Charlton penalty area. And once again, they get into that bit of space, Terry, that we talked about. The wing-backs pushing, or the full-backs, should I say, pushing on. And cutting inside, and Charlton just did not track Massey. Evans goes left to James. James, crossing opportunity in the box. Power, uh, slips over, it goes back to Morsi, takes a shot, and finds the bottom right-hand corner. Catalogue of errors, catalogue of mistakes. Some forced, some unforced. And we can go 3-0 up. But it has ended here, that is the full-time whistle. It's uh, been a disappointing night at the Valley. Charlton, unfortunately we have to admit, second best in most areas this evening. Second best indeed. So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. We're going to look back at... uh, Tuesday night's uh, defeat, first home defeat of the season against Wigan. And of course, look ahead to uh, Saturday's game with Gillingham. My name is Louis Mendes here on Charlton Live on the Maritime Radio. Joining me in the studio is Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? All right, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, fairly positive. Still still positive? Yeah. 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 Excellent stuff. Well, I'd say on tonight's show, as well as looking back and looking forward at the games uh, either side of this show, we're also going to hear from another Charlton legend. Like I say, wall-to-wall legends, and uh, it's not stopped just yet. We've got Matt Holland, who's going to be, I spoke to on the phone just before the show started. We're going to hear from uh, Matt Holland later on, uh, of course, with the Legends game coming up on this Sunday here at the Valley. But I think first things first, we just heard the goals there from uh, Tuesday's defeat Mm. uh, against uh, a Wigan. Uh, it was a bit of a reality check, back down to earth with a bang, that sort of thing. It was a yeah, it was a tough evening. Um, I wasn't very critical at half time. Um, I thought, look, first things first. I'd say we were second best throughout the whole game. Um, but I thought in that first half, actually, and I've watched the highlights back today, and there's nothing to to disagree with my original point of view. We were well in that game. Um, look back at the chances we had we had Kashi from the corner we have Fosu had a chance uh Forstakaski obviously hitting the bar um I think Josh and Jake Forstakaski linked up again so we had three or four 
pretty decent chances. Um, didn't manage to put them away. We fell asleep and, and conceded one in that first half. But in terms of controlling the game, absolutely, we were certainly in charge of it. They, I mean, we they had were. Our moments, but yeah. And as I say, I'm not saying that we were on top or anything like that. I think we were second best over the whole game. But I do think in that first half, we we were in with a shout and. You know, at half time the, the players go off and the crowd try and rouse them and then second half I mean we were completely dominated second half they played us off the park I thought they played well we were clearly off our game um, that, that first goal had I think killed us and, and they got another couple and, and that was that and I think uh, Wigan well and truly deserved to beat us really Yeah I mean when you, when you look at the, the way you know we've started this season and we go into a game against you know we're, we're talking ourselves up as, as a team who's going to be up there and then you're playing mm. another one in the formal weekend I mean that, that was a bit of a shock to the system the way the way that they they did they were just that much better than us on the day yeah and I, I said before the game it'll be a real test and we'll see what the team's made of after the game having looked back I'm not sure actually that we do because you put it down to a bad night um obviously we fell almost fell behind in what 15 seconds straight from kickoff pretty much um as I say, then we did start to grow in the game and create chances, but the likes of Jacobs and Powell in the middle just really bossed their midfield and we never really got a grip on it. They they pressed high again, pressed us into a lot of mistakes. Uh, Kashi was guilty of a few and, and the back four and just simple things like misplacing passes, which we we haven't really seen a lot of so far this season. And as you say, if we are talking of ourselves as a top six side probably, um, You'd think we're going to, going to be up there as well, but there was a big golfing class, particularly in that second half. Um, but as I say, uh, for me, coming away from the game, I put it down to to a bad evening. I don't put it down to a bigger issue or anything long term. I think it's something that we can resolve and we can learn from. Hmm. Yeah, like I say, for all Wigan's dom- domination, we did have, you know, that a couple of chances. I think that the main ones really Fossey, where he sort of hit it from the hmm. edge of the box and it swerved, and the keeper had it, and then a bit of a Bit of a miss, really, from McGuinness after Forster Casket hit the bar, and you could see exactly what he was trying to do because the keeper was committed to his right hand side and he headed it back across almost the face of goal, and, and it just sort of dropped just wide. So we did have our chances, but overall, even even if one of those drops in, you still feel that Wigan certainly had, had the cap- the capability to turn it on a few times and, and get those goals like they did. Yeah, what I'd say are positives from those chances as well, and again, watching the highlights reiterated this for me was. The, the football we played to create those chances was pretty decent. You know, quick one-touch passing, fluid movement. You know, not like the Plymouth defeat where we were static, we were going side to side. We were moving the ball fast and quick and players were moving off each other and, and it was nice build-up. As I say, those chances were few and far between. On the whole, Wigan were the better team. But we did create those. Uh, if one of them goes in, who knows, maybe it's a different game. But as I say, Wigan then got their goal and then just went from strength to strength and, and we just couldn't cope with them. Um, and... Yeah, as I say, in, in the end, it was a fairly comfortable evening for for Wigan. The um, the, the first goal was uh, disappointing in the way that Reese James found so mm. much space in in the box down down the Wigan left, and uh, obviously crosses it for Massey. You can't miss from out there, but really, really, you shouldn't see a fullback sort of uh, sorry, uh, getting, you know, getting into the uh, into the area like that. Yeah, and was it the first goal that had come after their number eight had been pulling Ricky Holmes's hair? And there was a bit of it looked like there was a bit of. Uh, squabbling between those two and it, it came soon after that that they fell asleep and I think the second goal the same thing happened um, he was kind of play acting down one end it was either the second or third and the same thing happened so it was just a case I think of us falling asleep and for all of our, our good points so far this season against any team in this league especially someone like Wigan who judging by that performance will be up there at the end of the season you can't fall asleep for a second you've got to be so disciplined at the back 
and uh, we did. We fell asleep for a second. They got in down that side, and there was, as uh, the guy said on the commentary, it was all too easy. He had so much space. It was a great cross, but Massey couldn't miss the other side, and and that was that. And as I say, when when the team then went off at half time, there was a good cheer, and I went in at half time thinking, okay, we probably deserve to be behind, but we we could get back in this game. We've shown little glimpses, and then second half we just didn't really nothing. Yeah, I mean, why, why do you think that was in the second half? Because Wigan certainly took more control. I mean, like you mentioned the name Jacobs. Michael Jacobs was mm. really impressive in midfield. Nick Powell as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, you know, why do you think it was they dominated so much? Because when, when you get into that second half, you're looking for something, I don't know, is, you know, are we looking for something to try, try something different, a, a plan B perhaps? I think or? The, the two biggest issues I had coming out of the game were, first of all, we've conceded first and we've lost the game again, which is something I think you mentioned a couple of shows ago. How big of an issue could that be? Because... When we go ahead, we tend to do quite well. When we go behind, um, we, so far we haven't really... I think Exeter we came from behind, didn't we? But against a, a good quality of opposition, no disrespect to Exeter or opposition you know, in our league games, we haven't really seen that yet. Um, so that's a concern. My second concern would be plan B. Um, and I don't think... When we came out for the start of the second half, I don't think we needed a plan B at that stage. Um, but it became clear very early on in that second half that they were outplaying us and I don't know whether it was personnel I don't know whether it's Carl's reluctance but we didn't really although we made substitutions we didn't really change our shape we didn't really change the way each person in each position was playing that I could see Um, you know the areas where we were being dominated it wasn't like we were putting an extra man in to help each other out Um, and as I say Jacobs and Powell in the midfield really ran the show Um, they were running past our midfielders Jake Forstakaski and Kashi probably had two of their poorer games this season when really we needed them to be pretty much, you know, um, pretty much perfect, I guess. Um, so they were the two main issues. I think you look at the things like Reeves and Marshall still being injured. Obviously, if you can introduce them 60, 70 minutes in and you're 1-0 down, you've obviously got a chance on the counter. But I think that's just an excuse, really. We were we were outplayed and, and we didn't really have a plan B to try and change things up and try and attack them in a different way. Yeah. Good evening to Marion, by the way. She's just tweeted in at Charlton Live saying that she's uh, she's uh, listening in. Um, if you want to contact the show, you can tweet us at Charlton Live or email studio at charltonlive.co.uk. Um, so like I said, we, we did make a double sub, but we conceded almost straight away. It was um, yeah. Carl and Ahern Grant and Conrad had come on. Like I say, it was pretty much like for like Fossu and, mm. and Cashy made way. Um, so even if there was a chance for CAG perhaps to try and bring something different to it, I mean, within two minutes, we, we were 2-0 down. Uh, anyway, it was great interplay between Massey and obviously Nathan Byrne, who was here on loan last season. Mm. A good goal, but again, I don't know. He just he, he was, it was like I say, good play, but Massey got got beyond his man and into the area perhaps a little bit too easily for our liking. Yeah, and again, I think if we were we were on our game, there's a good chance we stopped that attack, and that's why I'm not. I haven't come away from the game too concerned. It, it was an off night. Um, Wigan looked far superior to us. I think actually, if we were both playing at our best, it, I think it would be a similarly open and expansive game but I think we would be able to offer more to the game than we did on Tuesday um, I think uh, look, I saw I saw a team that were that were trying hard you know when you think of all the stuff we've had over the last three or four years this is not a, a, a huge you know cause for concern for me um, it was a poor game as you say again Massey and Byrne got in behind the fullback too easily but again because of the like for like change there wasn't really any support there it wasn't we hadn't changed things up we hadn't brought someone in to support to silver or Solly. so I think if we'd have been able to do that look I don't know how much difference it would have made but it would be nice to see that because 
although this was hopefully a one-off in terms of the way we performed, we're going to come up against teams who learn how to play against that 4-5-1 that we've got. And if we don't learn to adapt to that, you know, we could become a bit one-dimensional. Again, it's one defeat. I'm not going to get carried away and say we need something else and we need it for Gillingham, but it's something we need to think about as teams start to adapt and learn the sort of style we're playing. Well, it's something that happened last season. Do you remember under Russell Slade, we were playing 4-5-1 yeah. quite often. And I remember we went to Gillingham. I think it was a half-time in the, in the Gillingham mm. game where yeah, we, good example. we changed to a 4-4-2 and then had the better of the second half, eventually came back and drew that game one all. And that is an example of sometimes you do need to change up. I know Carl's very rigid in his formation, but he, he he likes to have a lot of different options on the bench. And, you know, when we get the likes of Reeves and Marshall back in to try and change it up. But you're right, it's also fair to say that sometimes it is tactics that need changing. Yeah. And that's something that we haven't really seen too much from Carl yet. I think there was a couple of times last season where he went to 4-4-2, but it's not very often. Yeah. Um, there was there was a half. I mean, once it was two, it was game over. There was a half chance after a corner that McGuinness was having his shirt tugged. I don't know if you could see that from behind the goal, but I don't think there was yeah. enough in it. No. The referee was a bit. He gave a few odd decisions throughout yeah. the night. I thought, but um, yeah, I think we would have been clutching at straws to yeah. get it myself. And then the third goal. Obviously, I don't think Jay De Silva want to see that one again. He <laughs> no. sort of sliced his clearance straight to Morsey and on the pretty much on the penalty spot, and he finishes beyond. And I think I mean, do you think I think three 0 was probably the the fair result? Really, that that, that showed the dominance that, that Wigan had. Yeah, you see sometimes a team get a late goal or even a couple of late goals and you think that, you know, uh, sort of masks what the actual game was like. I think in this occasion, 3-0 was probably fair enough. Um, they they did, in large parts of the game, outplay us. Um, they deserve to win. Um, I think, going back to the formation thing, obviously Terry talked a lot on Sunday about the work that goes into the formation and the tactics pre-game, the work that Carl does on the opposition. I think you can see that has paid off in a lot of games I think is in-game management that's where I do worry I think that I'm not a coach I'm not a master tactician but for example if you put Fosu on alongside McGuinness because McGuinness was winning all the headers when the long balls were going to him and you then go 4-4-2 and you allow whoever it is Fosu and Holmes to give their fullbacks more support does that help I don't know if you introduce a third defensive midfielder you know bring Konza on alongside Kashi and Jake Forstakaski does that help I don't know myself what the right answer is, but you would think a coach would be able to to know or at least try one of those things out, and we didn't really see any of that. Um, as I say, at the end of the day, Wigan were better than us. They deserve to win. Um, I think just put Tuesday behind us and move on because we're going up against the Gillingham side in poor form and one win there. We're still, what, third in the table and a win on the weekend will, will keep us up there. So I'm not overly concerned. It's too early in the season to worry about that, but there are certainly things the team can work on going forwards. Mm. Uh, email, uh, sorry, a, a tweet came in from Max. He said, hate to say this, but I think Solly might need to be replaced in January, but the main goal is to keep the likes of Holmes, McGuinness and Cashy. Even after Tuesday, I think we'll get at least in the playoffs. I mean, there is, uh, are there really six teams better than us uh, in the league? I mean, what would you think about his point on Solly there? Because, I mean, uh, Solly had been really improved this season, I felt, mm. at the start of this season. I don't think I don't think we need to let him go. I think, look, we might need to rotate him again, particularly when now these Tuesday games are starting to come in, but whether Dick Steele can can be that man. Uh, we've seen a couple of the pre-season games. He looked very, very solid. Uh, I think he's played in the Carabao or the Checker trade. Um, you know, whether we can risk him in a league game, I don't know. If not, then maybe we need to look elsewhere. I know Konza might be able to play right back as well. I think sometimes he does need a rest, but I think on the whole, he's, I think the other, maybe even at the weekend, I said he's the most reliable right back in the league for, in, in my book. Um, I mean that, that cross he put in for McGuinness's goal on, on Saturday yeah and I think if we're just going to look at Tuesday night there aren't many players that you could come out and say had a, had a blinding game 
Um, you know, as I say, I think they all worked hard. They they didn't seem, in my opinion, to give up. They just weren't at their best. Um, and so I include Solly in that. You know, Ricky Holmes, he chased down everything till the last minute, but still wouldn't say he had a good game. But that doesn't mean he didn't work hard and give his all. So maybe Solly was one of those. As you say, De Silva, particularly with that third goal, but also a couple of the others, he was exposed a bit as well. So you could look at individuals all over the pitch, I think. And I think from what Carl said in his press conference today, they've done that and they've kind of made their decisions, put that behind them and are looking to rectify that as soon as they can. Going to hear our exclusive interview with Carl Robertson after that game in just a couple of moments' time. But Martin tweeted in saying, Robbo told us all we knew exactly how Wigan would play their game plan, etc. He didn't seem to react to it. Nick Powell uh, was immense. And that's the thing. I mean, like, I mean, we were talking on Saturday about how Carl's always very assured of you know, how, how the opposition is going to line up. How he always does lots of research, uses Brett, the analyst, very, very well, even mentioning by name uh, at some point during the week, I think, or might have even been today. Um, but yeah, it's just some sometimes when you're watching a game, you're just waiting to think. Oh, I just wonder if you if you try and do something a bit different. I mean, he did try with the substitutions, but it was too late by then because we conceded mm. almost straight away. So, yeah, and and as I say, I think I my concern with him, and I, and I don't want to get too carried away because I, despite my reservations when he came in, I've warmed to him a lot. I think he's he seems like a very decent manager and a very hard working one, um, and he's got a lot of ideas about how he wants his team to play and. I, for one, am enjoying a lot of the football that we're playing under him. I do still worry about that plan B. And I know it's uh, a bit of a cliche to say that you always need one, but I think the Wigan game proved that because our style, our formation, our tactics, whatever, wasn't working on Tuesday night. And I think, especially when you go 2-0 down, what's the harm in trying something different? You know, if you're going to lose 2-0 anyway, you might as well lose 4-0 and try and go 4-4-2, try and try something else. And, And we didn't really do that. So... Again, it's early days for him, just in general, at management career. But also, he's not been here that long, despite the fact he's he's Roland's longest manager. So, he's got time to change that around. I'm sure he'll learn from Tuesday as much as the players do. And as I say, we, we go again at Gillingham on Saturday. Mm. And Max has just followed up his tweet. He says, Solly's man did score a brace, though. I, li- I love Solly. Don't get me wrong, but I think that in the future, we need a faster right back in these games. Right, let's have a listen to what Carl had to say after the game. He came to speak to... Uh, uh, Terry Smith, uh, day before his birthday, as it was actually his birthday was on Wednesday, so not the best birthday present. But this is what Carl had to say to Terry after Tuesday's disappointing defeat here at home against Wigan. John Bell, Carl Robinson in the studio, and Carl uh, on a fairly miserable night, both weather-wise and result-wise. Yeah. Was it a case of um, Wigan being that much better than us, or were so, we uh, allowing I, Wigan I, to be better? Than I us? don't think Wigan are better on paper, um, but they were certainly better than us on the field this evening. Um, all over the park, we lost all of our battles. Um, and we have to we have to take that on the chin and, and accept that one hundred percent. Um, I, I don't think any of the players are in that dressing room saying they won their one on one duel. Um, so tonight it's a disappointing faction of all of what we're trying to do. Um, we know that things weren't good enough. We know that we'd have to improve. We know some players have not, for instance, Cash. He's not played Saturday, Tuesday, probably for eighteen months or two years. Um, so trying to integrate him into that, he, that's why he came off after sixty minutes. I felt that it would have been difficult for him to do that. But all over the park, I just think we were we were offered tonight, and and for me personally, I can't point fingers. I have to put myself alongside the players in front of them and and take the bullets for them because I don't think it was lack of effort. I don't think anyone says lack of effort. We still try, we huffed and we puffed, but it it, it had nothing in it. Um, but for us, we we've been beaten by the better team tonight. To a certain extent, we uh, uh, Wigan did to us what we've done to a few teams this season already, and, and, uh, and just caught us uh, yeah. napping with the movement. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, because because we because we were on our game, 
we forced issues tonight, and uh, by forcing issues, we created more gaps between lines and between between people than ever before because we were frustrated with our own in, in play possession stuff, um, and and because we were off it, we were vulnerable on the turnover. All of their goals were people running across us uh, from the first goal to the last goal, um, and and that's not us. You know that we don't do that. So for, for us, we ha- we have to take it on the chin. We have to know where we were wrong. I've got to make sure that we we get it right for next Saturday. Did you think that we might have weathered the storm a bit in that first half, and the timing of their goal really kicked us in the teeth? A little bit, yeah. So I was saying to both, which before their goal, if we can get to half time, they'll know we know we've been way off it, and maybe that that can spare us on half time. But the players went out fully motivated for the second half. It's not like they went out there with any. They went out there with the mentality to go and turn it round and win the second half. Um, but we never got going from 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 our kick off today. Set the tone. Where their striker runs 15, 20 yards and blocks Pat, and all of a sudden we're on the back foot from from the very first whistle, and that's not being us. You know that. That's, it's been we, we've got to make sure that we um, we just look at ourselves and we get better. Is it uh, or can it be a case of uh, this being the sort of kick in the pants that uh, might explode? Yeah, as I, I said, I said to the players before, I don't I don't think anyone in particular game defines you as a team. Um, it shapes and moulds you. Um, what defines the team is the success at the end of the season, um, and all of these games have their their moments where they define us and they either make or break you. They have to make us. It's as simple as that. They have to they have to leave us with the sickening feeling that we know we were able to par, and I, and I can't come out at any stage tonight and say like I said to you before I can't even blame the referee. Um, we were, we were off it, and I apologise to the fans, and I take responsibility for that. I feel like I've let them down tonight, and I know the players will feel the same, um, and hopefully we can we can make them proud again in the next game. Look, I'm not going to dwell too much on it because you've had to deal with quite a few interviews uh, and <laughs> dwelling on this, so I'm not going to. So if there is a, a light to, to be drawn from, from tonight, is it the fact that uh, uh, we were, as you say, second best uh, most of the night, but the fans stuck with you and, and really gave you... A, I've just a, said... And even at the end gave a... a yeah, a, I, I think they, they understood what my heart because I have to apologise for, for, for certain things and I think some of the players will look at that and we know we're way below par. A little bit of shock to the system when you're walking off and you know you've played bad and you're still getting people applauding you. I don't think anywhere else in the country you'd, you'd very rarely get that. Um, if people want to keep knocking us and having a go on us and saying there's a fractiousness between us and the Thelices, I think the players have, have showed tremendous respect to, to, to everybody coming into the stadium. Hopefully the, the fans feel that. And today they've showed us the utmost respect by, by sticking with us. We, we we can't ask for any more. We just feel that we, we want, we've let people down and we apologise. And that's as honest and as brutal as we can be. And... Uh, but all we can do, we can't affect this evening. It's not something that can turn a clock back and make different changes. Even the subs that came on didn't affect the game. Everything we did just didn't work this evening. Um, all we can do is affect the future. And uh, we wake up tomorrow, it's a new day and it's, it's a new opportunity to move forward. And, and hopefully we can do so with, with, with our plan and preparation for Gillingham. An opportunity to put it out right. Uh, we'll try our best. Saturday, and I can officially tell you your birthday's been delayed by four days. All right. <laughs> you just made me laugh, I don't know how. <laughs> Cheers, mate, thank you. Right, but thank you. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. Clark goes left to Holmes. Holmes now attacking the left hand edge of the penalty area. Goes past his man, Ricky Holmes, into the box. Chips the ball back across, looking for McGinnis, gets his head! Yes! And the opening goal! Charlton with a superb start to the game, a lovely work Welcome back to Channel Live here 
on Maritime Radio. We just heard there from Carl Robinson, obviously. Uh, I don't know, it sounded like he was fake laughing at Terry's terrible Did joke there at the end, didn't it? Um, <laughs> but um, obviously disappointed, but hopefully, uh, you know, you're going to be disappointed when you lose, but how you bounce back now is so important. In fact, when I spoke to him after the Oldham game, when we won 4-3 and we were on a little bit of a winning run, that was 3 or 4 with one at that point, wasn't it, in a row? Mm. Um, he sort of he said he said something along the lines of you know I'm not saying I hope we lose but it'll be interesting to see how we react to you know a setback and this is certainly where we are now it's a setback it's a, you know you get humbled at home it's a setback and and how we react now is so important yeah and uh, isn't not like even as soon as he comes in after the game or now talking about it two days later there's nothing we can do about that result nothing we can do about that performance it's done um, all we all that you look at now is as you say how you bounce back from it. Um, I think he's he's been very honest there and and I do kind of agree with him on the whole they got a a good reception off the pitch certainly at half time and and even a few people stuck behind to kind of applaud them off after the game as well um obviously it's the it's the diehards that are going to stick around the people who are a bit more disgruntled are going to leave when that goal goes in so I, I understand that but <laughs> the sound of chairs slapping exactly when they're folding as soon back as up that as third one went in. <laughs> but um yeah you're right it's how we bounce back and as I say, Gillingham are, are not on a great run of form. Um, we have to go there. We have to, I think he said today, um, he wants to give those players a chance to prove themselves again. Uh, and they'll go out there and I fully believe they'll right those wrongs uh, and win a game. And if on Sunday we're looking at, you know, two losses from, what's that, seven or eight games? That's It's not a bad start, is it really? Yes, Tuesday night was pretty poor, but it's one game out of 46. Hmm. So uh, don't forget we're going to hear exclusively from Matt Holland uh, in a little while, but we've got plenty of emails uh, after the weekend game. The first one comes from Nick uh, Chitty. He says, evening, chaps. Uh, good work with this season's podcast and the John Fortune interview. Uh, so thanks for that, Nick. If Don't forget, if you haven't listened to the uh, Charlton Live meets John Fortune, that's down there in your wherever you're listening to this podcast on, on the Charlton Live website or in Acast, iTunes podcast apps. If you I've scroll down. Yeah, Very good. Yeah, scroll down through the timeline, you'll find Charlton Live meets John Fortune. Uh, even Fort just listened to it. He tweeted me. Uh, he tweeted me during the week asking how to listen to it, and he's already heard it <laughs> once because it's his face making the noise. So that's how good it is. So it's, seriously, make sure you listen to it. Have you listened? Uh, I've listened to it about fifty times while go. I was editing it. Good. It's yeah. It's um. It's really fascinating. Some stories from John Fortune. So make sure you, you, you listen to those if you get a chance. Uh, it says uh, so Nick goes firstly I, I think that Wigan had done their homework on us very well their high pressure made our back five look uneasy on the ball and really stunted our build up play I think they also cancelled out Holmes and Clark which basically ruined our game plan this unfortunately made the rest of the team look pretty average without their creative spark I felt that Solly and De Silva were hard done by uh, as they were often left marking two men each mm. because of Holmes, Fossil and Clark don't really have fixed positions. Uh, Wigan's most dangerous attacks came from overlaps out wide time and time again. You see that, especially with the first, mm. That's what I mentioned, first two yeah. goals. Yeah. Um, this flexibility is fine in attack and their fluidity means our football can look very good at times, but against more disciplined and well-drilled teams, it means our defence is very vulnerable. I'm hoping that Robinson has seen this and adapts against competitive teams in the future. I think the change Robinson uh, made really showed our lack of squad depth. I know we've still got Marshall and Reeves to come in because we bought Dodu and Kagon and played them both out of position on the wing if Robinson wanted a, an extra winger he should have bought one in even Stewart would have done a better job uh, Cameron Stewart of course we had on trial mm. uh, and not bought in a young striker and, st- and stranded him out on the wing overall there weren't many positives but judging by previous performances this season I'm hoping to watch the lads turn it around on Saturday come on you Reds and that's uh, a good email there And I mean I think we mentioned it but yeah the the two subs we made in terms of Cag and, and Dodu coming on, and we also had Konza coming on, it, it just shows perhaps a slight lack of options to change things properly. 
they were more sort of one, you know, like for like, weren't they? But, yeah, and it's it's no discredit to those players because Cag started the season very well. Conza, uh, obviously being scouted by, I don't know about Premier League, but certainly Championship, um, and he's gonna, you would think, go on to play at a high level of football. Um, and Dodu's come in. Okay, we don't know a huge amount about him, but scored in his debut, although that's nothing new for him. Um, so I don't, I don't want to blame those players at all or discredit them because I think that they're going to be good and important parts of the squad. But as the guy who's, who's emailed in says, it it didn't really change anything. It, it was like for like, and we ended up pretty much still playing the same formation and same tactics, just with different personnel. And I think the email spot on, as I said earlier in the show, the fullbacks were, were so exposed and we didn't really do anything to, to combat that. Phil contacted us earlier on this afternoon. He says, hi, chaps, listen to the show on Sunday. I think you're all getting a bit carried away. Tuesday was a big reality check. We we have a top six first team uh, when Reeves and Marshall are fit. Look at the bench on Tuesday and tell me where the experienced attacking players are. There wasn't any. We still need another quality striker to push us to the automatic promotion positions. Love the show. And that's from Phil. Cheers, Phil. Uh, it's probably right. We, I mean, we, we were talking on Sunday about how, you know, let's enjoy this good run while we're on it. Uh, you know, I do like to think we have caveated the fact that we you know, we're still early on in the season. There is going to be injury suspensions. Squad depth's going to come into question, um, and and that was you know obviously a bad night at the office on on Tuesday. But as as the previous email said as well, you know it's like squad depth issue, and and we all know we wanted another striker, that sort of thing. And and sometimes when you lose, you're going to look at look at those particulars and, and those shortcomings mm. within the squad, and they're going to be highlighted. <clears throat> yeah, I think. Uh... My comments about how how good we are have, have been slightly tongue in cheek. Um, uh, as you say, so we're just, not the best team in Northern. Well, Europe. I think on Tuesday night I said we're second best in Northern <laughs> Europe. So uh, yeah, we're um, it, it's been a great start, and I think we're all kind of reveling in that. Tuesday was a reality check. It's woken us up and taught us a bit of a lesson, um, but that doesn't stop us still having had what I would say is still a good start to the season. Um, that striker deficiency. Yes, that's going to rear its head between now and Christmas, I think, a few times. But at the same time, it wasn't like, you know, apart from that header, which was, what you, as you said, you could see what McGuinness was trying to do. It wasn't like he was put through one-on-one one three times and put them all wide or anything like that. And when Dodu came on, it wasn't like he was, you know, given hundreds of chances either. So I think it's a bit unfair to judge that on just one game. Uh, I do think it, it is still a problem. And we said that when the window closed, you would hope if we can stay around the top six that we'll get to invest in January. Uh, I think it'd be madness if we didn't. Um, but I have faith certainly in that first, probably first 14 or so players, I think. And again, that is a small number to be working with. But when you've got Re- uh, Reeves and Marshall back, when you've got Page back as cover for De Silva, who I think... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Had a bit of a, one of his weaker games on, on Tuesday night. I think we've got options there. Um, are we the best squad in the division? I don't know. We're certainly not the biggest, but we've got a good competitive squad there. And as I say, their desire and the way they're working and their willingness to work hard and play together goes a long way and and has done in recent games. Unfortunately, it didn't on Tuesday night, but but you can't win them all, and that was one that we didn't. Mark Newbury says, "Evening, guys. See, that's what happened when that's what happens when someone tweets out that Wigan hadn't beaten us at home <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, that was that was me. Um, I do it on purpose just for a laugh." Uh, but Wigan hadn't beaten us on home. Uh, have now. Yeah, they have now, yeah. You know that Gillingham haven't actually beaten us since 2004, <laughs> stop it. which is interesting. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, it's what happens when a team does their homework to stop our counter-attacking, has a giraffe at the back and puts a pair of nasty, bitty players who try to confront our players and given any opportunity. Their number five, their captain, I think that was Sam Morsey, was a right niggler. Uh, he tried to give Clark a poke, a uh, blindside of the ref, but right in front of the linesman who must have... Have a, he must have had a really heavy flag as he couldn't lift it. <laughs> the, the game did get quite niggly in that second half, yeah. didn't it? I, I, in fairness, I saw Jason Pierce run past one of their players and elbow him in the mm. back while the, while the referee wasn't looking. Uh, didn't actually deserve anything from it, but not having any anything on the bench which can change the game. I asked my mate next to me if Cag had actually touched the ball after coming on. Uh, question is, would putting Jacko in the middle to organise things a little better uh, been a better option than the subs he made. Wigan possibly the best uh, we've played so far, but not that much better than us. Too many players playing at 60%. Yeah, I think that last point's right. And and that's the problem, really. We can talk about, you know, Jacko coming on. We can talk about the subs we did have. We can talk about the lack of a plan B. But the the thing it all comes back to is that despite their their desire to work hard they just weren't up to it that night and, and players have that it's unfortunate that so many of them had it on the same night it's unfortunate it was when we came up against the best opposition we've played so far this season but but it happens um, and that's when you put all that together it's no surprise we lost really you know you almost expect it could have been more but um, that's why you just put it down to, to one bad evening and move on from it um, I, I don't expect it to, to happen again feel free to play that when we get hammered by Gillingham them at the weekend but <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just one of those one of those evenings. Yeah, uh, remembering better times. We've got an email that's actually from Sunday Show from Frank uh, and Liam, who are listening in, uh, talking about Ricky Holmes's great goal against uh, against Southend on the weekend. Said so Ricky's shot, uh, started his shot a full yard outside the far post, and was right behind the flight of it. Their keeper didn't stand a chance with it. Pierce was a colossus on Saturday, uh, closely followed by Clark, who must be League One signing of the season. Will he get a Republic of Ireland? Uh, called up he says all the best that's from Frank and Liam and finally another one Peter Beerling's uh, just adding adding his bit onto the John Fortune stuff says uh, just short note to say how much I enjoyed Chuck Live meets John Fortune it's a heartwarming interview bringing back so many great memories of our Premier League days look forward to the next in the series that's from uh, Pete thanks for Good. that so that's another reason to another another person suggesting you go and listen to Chuck Live meets John Fortune and uh, if we get enough listens on that I'll try and make sure we do some more ones that sort of stuff uh, right let's have a quick break we'll be back uh, in a couple of minutes time we're going to hear shortly exclusively here on Charlton Live from uh, former Charlton midfielder Matthew Holland taking his man on clock does really well as well to do so now he's on to take on Buchanan keeping the ball lovely ball into Konza to the touchline Konza reverse ball back to Forster Kasky and there's the third and it's game over and three points for Charlton.
day to remember for Clive Mendonca. Lashing home Charlton's first with his left foot. Norwich was soon to be swept away by the man in the number 10 shirt. Mendonca's second, a tap-in after a silly defensive mix-up. Now Charlton fans were hoping for a hat-trick from the new boy. And they weren't to be disappointed. Again, the poacher's eye for goal after Steve Jones had done the hard work. And Mendonca's match ball. Phil Chappell, who'd scored that consolation goal at Wolves, got on the act as well. 4-0. And the win to be remembered by Mendonca. Perhaps your best memory of the season so far would be the hat-trick at Norwich. Just talk us through the, the three goals, if you can, quickly, if you remember them. Uh, just trying to think. I think the, the first one was off a corner. It was just a rebound, and I was just there to stick it in, really. Uh, the second one... I think Paul Mortimer done a good cross and I just got in front of the defender and stuck it in. And the third, Steve Jones went through, had a shot, and I've just followed up the rebound and looked at the us and I just stuck it in. So, I mean, it was, they were all easy goals, really, like tap-ins. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I got a hat-trick and I was really pleased. There we go, this week's Wish We Were There. Uh, takes us back to 1997, September the 17th, an away win on a Tuesday night up at Norwich. 4-0, hat-trick from Mr. Clive Mendonca. And Mr. Clive Mendonca is one of the many, one of the uh, plethora of legends who's coming back to the Valley this Sunday for the Legends United game. Uh, and there's another one who I uh, man, was lucky enough to catch up with on the phone just before the show started. Uh, a, a personal favourite of mine, uh, Matt Holland, uh, signed for us in I think the start of the 2003-04 season. Uh, and he played in one, one of the, uh, he played in easily the best Charlton midfield I've ever seen. Scored some uh, spectacular goals for us as well. I remember one away at Leeds in particular that was uh, pretty special. Uh, scored in the 4-2 win over Chelsea as well. Um, so I caught up with him just to find out how excited he is to be coming back to the Valley for Sunday's Legends United game. Well, I'm delighted to be joined now here on Charlton Live by uh, another Charlton legend, another one who's lined up to play on Sunday here at the Valley. It's Matt Holland. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, very well indeed. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. All the better for talking to yeah, another one of my Charlton heroes. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, uh, the, the Legends game's coming up this Sunday. I mean, how much are you looking forward to, to making your return to the Valley? Really looking forward to it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I've been back once, actually, I'll say, uh, to actually play at the Valley. Uh, last summer, playing in a, in a, a Legends game with Kevin Lisby, which was good fun. Um, but this time around, it's a little bit different because um, there's going to be quite a few ex-players there. Uh, so it'd be great to catch up with some really familiar old faces. Obviously, some I won't know so well, um, but there's a lot playing who, who were in my era. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. Yeah, of course, we're we're celebrating both 25 years of the Community Trust here at Charm, but also, obviously, 25th anniversary of the return uh, to the Valley. I mean, obviously, you, you joined the club after the uh, a few years after the return to the Valley, but how, you know, how important was that that story about what, what the fans achieved to, to bring the club back to the Valley? I mean, how much did you know about that when you were here? Well, it's incredibly important. I mean, it's, it's nice to have your own home. You know, you, you don't be nomads, um, uh, which is the case for a few years. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's nice to have your own place, your own home. Um, supporters can call it their own, uh, and the work that the supporters did to get that and make that happen 
um, is an amazing story. So, um, yeah, to celebrate that this weekend would be great. Is this, when, when you were here, was it something that you were made very aware of the whole time? Because obviously it's a very important part of the history to the fans. Are the, are the players always aware of that sort of stuff? Um, I don't know so much, to be honest. Uh, I, I would think that there's, there's certainly players that have played for Charlton that are very aware of it. Um, but there, there'll be some that weren't particularly um, aware of it at all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's something that's, that, that was drummed into the players particularly. Um, but certainly some would have known the story and, and others wouldn't. And as, as you mentioned, there's, there's plenty of players coming back that you uh, you would have played with yourself. Is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to linking up with again? Um, Clarkie, yeah. Uh, I suppose it'd be nice to see Herman. I mean, he was my roommate for the, the time I was at the club and um, obviously played with him at Ipswich previously as well. Uh, I haven't seen him for a couple of years now, so it'll be good to catch up with him. We speak now and again. Um, so, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to catch up with him. Uh, Luke Young, uh, Jason Yule, John Fortune, all those players really that, that I played with. It would be great to great to catch up with again. But, but probably Herman simply because he was my roommate as well. Now, if you had to pick uh, one of your favourite Valley moments, perhaps a goal or, or just any moment that you, you, if you could recreate it this this Sunday, which one which one would you go for? <laughs> oh, good question. Good question. I, well, I, I'll never forget the day we beat um, Chelsea on Boxing Day. And uh, I, I managed to score that day as well with a header, uh, out, out jumping Marcel Desailly. So uh, <laughs> if, I could do, if, if I could do that again, maybe out jump John Fortune or something, that would be quite nice. Yeah, well, I remember that chipped goal you scored against Middlesbrough. Do you reckon you could try that one once more? Yeah, we, well, we're going to give it a go. We, we haven't got Di Canio setting me up though this time around. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we can have a go, definitely. Like, to be honest, it'd just be nice to get the boots back on. Yeah. I don't play anywhere near enough or as much as I'd like to do, really. I play, I don't know eight times a year maybe something like that now so um, just to get the boots back on again it'd be great John yeah. and obviously it's a chance for you to link up with Alan Kerbisley again uh, the, the manager who, who brought you to the club I was going to say like I mean when he was trying to persuade you to, to come back to Charlton did, did he A use the story of the return to the value or, or B just did it show you that you were really wanted here because I mean you came into a really incredibly strong midfield that season didn't you with the likes of Parker Jens and you know, Kishishev yeah you, I mean to be honest um well, I've seen Curves quite a bit actually since since um, since I've retired, doing a lot of the media and the TV stuff. Um, and when I when I first met him, um, he, he just he did, I mean, it wasn't so much the story of the club and, and and where it had been and where it was going. It was it was more about the there and now. You know what was happening at that time, um, the team, how he saw us going forward, where he saw my role in the team, and that sort of stuff really. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, he he, um, no, he did a good job really because uh, I made my mind up pretty quickly to my staff. I'd spoken to I'd spoken to uh, Portsmouth as well at the time. Um, I think there's one or two other clubs that were interested, but there's only Charlton and Portsmouth that agreed a, a deal. So I'd actually spoke to Portsmouth, um, spoke to Curbs, and, and pretty much made my mind up after I'd spoken to him. So yeah, no, we we get on really well, and, and um, it'd be good to see him again. But I've seen as I say, I've seen him quite a bit actually since. Since I've retired doing the media stuff. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, so with those two clubs on offer, I mean, it, it, the, the season you came in was was one of Charlton's most successful seasons of recent years. I think that was the season we finished seventh, wasn't it? So, one of yeah, um, that's right. Was it quite clear that Alan was was putting together something quite special that year? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I sort of had a bit of a history really playing against Charlton and, and Curds teams uh, with Ipswich. We sort of had a number of running battles, so. 
I knew, you know, a lot of the players that were there, um, and actually one or two who were down. I'd had running battles with at Bolton as well, in, in Fisher and Krause Jensen. So I knew a lot of the players, uh, and I knew what how good they were really playing against them. Um, so in that respect, you didn't probably have to tell me how good they were. Um, and actually, I, I, I would, I'd say the first couple of weeks I was there, I was, I was really impressed with the standard. Um, and uh, I realised then pretty quickly that I was going to have a, you know, a job really to get into the team as well. So, um, no, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a good team I was coming into. Obviously, you, you stayed at Charlton for, for a number of years there and you were there for... Uh, some of the more difficult parts as well. But I, I seem to remember that towards the latter part of your career, you, e- you even had to sort of fill in at centre-back a few times. I mean, uh, was, is that the sort of the sort of player you were proud to be? You were just happy to, to do whatever job you was asked of you? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I think the older you get, the further back you go. And then that's what they used to say. That's what they used to say to me anyway. I didn't quite end up in goal, but uh, <laughs> centre-back anyway. Uh, I, I'd, actually, I'd actually played centre-back a bit at Ipswich as well. We played it back three at Ipswich for a while and, at times, I sort of played there for them, and I also I'd also done it at Bournemouth previously. So maybe it's you know something that that, pre- that managers had seen that I could potentially do. Um, and maybe I wasn't quite as quick as I'd, I'd like to have been. Um, 34, 35, coming towards the end of my career. But yeah, to be honest, I was always that type of player. Um, it was all for the team. Um, that first season, actually, I played on the right hand side of midfield a bit as well, and, and sort of Klaus Jensen and Scott Parker in the middle of the pitch. So. Whatever job you're asked to do, you, you do it. Simple as that. And, and I didn't mind playing centre back, to be honest, because um, as you say, when your legs are going a little bit and, and you can see everything in front of you, the game's a little bit easier. You can read it a bit better. I mean. And so, so, do you know what position you're going to be playing on Sunday? Uh, not a clue. Although Keith Peacock has said to me that I'm sort of one of the um, ones he's banking on getting 90 minutes out. I don't, think <laughs> I don't think he's getting 90 minutes out of everyone. Uh, but he did say to me, he's banking on getting 90 minutes, so he better not take me off after he's told me that. <laughs> I mean, it must, it must have been a great moment. I assume you got the call from, from Keith Peacock or whoever, whoever called you to, to ask you to play, and it must be, to, to be involved in such a great event for the club, you must have been really happy to be asked. I was indeed, yeah. It was Keith, actually. Keith, Keith's done an awful lot of work in trying to put this together, sort of asking, asking me to get numbers for people and can I get older such and such. And, um, so he, he's, been, he's been brilliant in putting this together. Um, but when he phoned me, I, I sort of, he gave two dates originally and I was looking at them both and actually the, the, the date he's, he, the, the game's now on is a better date for me. So I, I might have struggled for the, the, the other one. So um, it's worked out brilliantly that I can definitely play now. So... Yeah, I was delighted when he called and, and really thrilled to be playing. And obviously now you've got your, your roles or it's still still within football in, in the media sort of side of it. So I don't know if you get much chance to, to have a look at Charlton these days, but from, from from the outside, what have you made of sort of the current squad and the current situation the club's in and, and how, uh, how well we've started this year under Carl Robinson? It's been great. I mean, it's really good. Um, I'm a big fan of Carl. Um, I've, I've sort of come across him quite a bit as well doing the media stuff and, and got quite friendly with him. Um, he invited me actually down to the training ground last year to, to sort of have a look around um, and, and stuff, which was brilliant. Really, really kind of him to do that. Uh, and I'm thrilled that they've started the season off really well. Uh, I hope it can continue. Obviously, not a great result against Wigan uh, the other day, um, but I hope to get back to winning ways on, on Saturday against Gillingham. Um, but he's put, yeah, he's put together a, a good side. And, um, and hope, 
for this year. Uh, promotions on the cards. Fingers crossed, anyway. Yeah, fingers crossed. So finally, obviously, so the, the game's coming up on Sunday. Uh, just one final push, really. It'd be nice to see as many Charlton fans as, as there uh, as possible to celebrate this sort of, this great anniversary for the club. Yeah, it will. I mean, I, I don't know what the sort of crowd is expected or anticipated. And I, I think there's, there's sort of 1,800 tickets being sold already, which is brilliant. And hopefully we can get much more on the day as well. You know, people turning up. Hopefully the weather's good and people can uh, come. And also, it gives, it gives some of the players actually a chance to say goodbye as well because you know, I, I certainly didn't get an opportunity to, to say goodbye to a lot of the supporters because you know I, I sort of maybe in my mind thought I was going to be back the following season and, and that didn't happen for whatever reason. Um, so there'll be, there'll be a few players there who haven't had a chance to say goodbye to the supporters. So it'd be nice for the players to, to be able to do that as well and thank them for their support over the years. Uh, and also, it's for such a good cause as well. So fingers crossed we can get as many Super Bowl as possible. Brilliant. Well, Matt, it's been uh, great having you here on Charlton Live and uh, I look forward to, to meeting you properly on Sunday. Absolute pleasure and I'm looking forward to it. So we'll, uh, we'll catch up then. So welcome back, Charlton Live. Great to hear just then from uh, Matt Holland. Um, yeah, he's, he's another player who just goes down. Like I say, played played in the best Charlton midfield I've ever seen, certainly. Mm. And uh, part of our, again, you know, like John Fortune, who we've heard from recently, part of our most successful uh, side of a recent era and another player it's worth going out. I thought that was a nice point he mentioned at the end there for a, a chance to almost say goodbye to the supporters because like I say sometimes players leave clubs sort of you know unexpectedly so they don't get a chance to thank the fans for their support so that's another great reason to come I mean the likes of Herman Herodison and Matt Holland and all these you know, Clive Mendonca we haven't seen for a long time you, you, all, you know players leave clubs you know, without all the fanfare that they arrive, it'd be nice just to thank them once again for their performances in the Charlton shirt throughout the years. Yeah, a- another good reason to come along uh, alongside all the others. And you just had a little reminisce while we were listening there because I think he certainly makes up one of the midfields of for our generation, one of the most exciting midfields we had. Um, just seems like a genuine down-to-earth bloke. Obviously, one of those players. I don't know if he was at Charlton when he went to the World Cup, was he? Um, no, it was year but, before I was checking. Yeah, but still, you know, one of those players that we Cup. associate, yeah, scoring at a World Cup and just, yeah, as I say, part of a fantastic midfield. And as you say, with the the saying goodbye, a lovely touch from him to even mention that, but an, another good opportunity or a good reason to come along and, and support what should be a, a fantastic day. So don't forget, there are still tickets available. Um, See, so the, the game's this Sunday, 1pm uh, kickoff. I don't know if it's too late to pre-order now, actually. But if you, if you come in, make sure. Sure, yeah, make sure you turn up uh, in loads of time. Just because I imagine there's probably going to be a lot of walk-ups. Uh, because like I say there's a hell of a lot of legends on the way. So uh, there's going to be plenty of people who want to come. Uh, so, yeah, 1pm. is £10 for adults, £2 for children. Um, and like I said, the, the list of legends is just, I mean, I'd pay £100 to come to this game personally because there's just so many of them. Uh, and every single penny you spend at the Valley, whether it's for your tickets or for your food or anything like that, is going to go to the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, who do such good work, you know, um, uh, within the, the local community work that's been you know, uh, you know internationally acclaimed. They've won awards, international awards, not just local awards. They've won international awards for the great work that they do uh, in in the name of the club. And obviously, it's something to be very proud of. Right, um, time to look ahead. It's the uh, uh, reincarnation of the red-hot Kent Derby. Uh, get your helmets <laughs> out. 
Uh, Tom, you've wussed out of it this time because yeah, the, I'm yeah. just too scared. Yeah, because of those. Tony Hud's built it up way yeah. too much. Well, it's funny you should say that because <laughs> someone's got Tony. He didn't what? come. He, like this, even though he works for BBC Radio Kent, this game was too. This, there's, there's too much red hot. <sighs> he Kent. scared himself. Yeah, he scared himself. He's he's, he's believed his own hype. Oh. Uh, so Tony wasn't there to do uh, the pre-match. Uh, so we, we've got the pleasure of listening to uh, Kent Live's Clive Yalton uh, speaking to Carl Robinson ahead of Saturday's game with Gillingham. Looking ahead to Gillingham, then uh, are you contemplating changes, perhaps? Or are you... um, I think the players who played deserve an opportunity to go back into the game and, and be on the front foot and to be aggressive in what we're trying to do. And uh, hopefully, we can achieve a result that the fans deserve. Obviously, selling out the tickets is that's not like you selling out a small aspect of it. It's a big area behind that mm. goal, so we're uh, we're going to be well supported and we look forward to kicking into their end and hopefully sending them. Back home happy, was it the A2 or the yeah, A2? Yeah, the A2? Back down the A2, very, very, very happy. I know there's a, there's a big part of the football club's fan base is is, is over that way in some ways. So it's, uh, we're, we're really looking forward to the challenge. When all said and done, it's just one defeat in five matches. You've won four before that. So, you know, there's no doom and gloom going on, is there? No, so. no, listen. You go into the game and if you take out the eventuality, if you, if you turn around and said that you'd, uh, you won five and drawn one out the first eight, more mm. people would have took that. And we're looking to go into it and try and win six out of the first eight, which would have been a start that not a lot of people would have actually accepted um, or thought would have been possible. So but we can't come off it. Listen, we, we, we've always said back in the day, well, we've not done anything. We've not, we're not better than what we think we are. Um, I think the good thing about Wigan is what it's done is it's allowed us to reset our, our bar. Mm. Um, maybe if we thought our bar was at a certain level, um, we'll certainly be smashed and, and reset. Um, and, that, and that's a bit fearful, I think, because if we think we can get more out of the team, we know we're going to be even more eventful and, and more attacking and, and a better team to watch. So, like I say, we reset the bar and we, we go again. Two big players to come back into your team as well, which is nice to know in due course. But are you worried about the strength and depth, perhaps? Or say there was an injury to Josh? Right, listen, we've, oh, you've got Joel and you've got Carl and you can play there. Listen, mm. we've all spoke in an idealistic world. We all want the perfect 20-odd players, but... That's not going to be, you know, managers want to sit there with, with the perfect numbers or the perfect players yeah. for their position, unless with the top echelons of the Champions League. That's that's where they do get the perfection. Um, so we're, 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 we know the certain aspects that we know we could be better. We know the certain areas where we can always improve. Mm. Um, at no stage, man, coming to you and saying, yeah, this is right, that's wrong or whatever. We know that we can do a little bit more. Um, and our job is to try and be competitive in between now and the January window. And we're in, we're in, that, in that position of contention. Um, I'm sure you'll see us have a right good go and try and push the button and, and push things a lot further forward. There's a voice of reason from a fan on Twitter who said, OK, we lost the other night, but there is something good happening at Charlton. Yeah, that's that, nice to know no, that that's people really, recognise yeah, it. Yeah, that's really nice. It's quite humbling as well that these people who are already educated on the game can say them things. Mm. and It means a lot. I think sometimes in defeat, it hurts so much. It hurts so much. And that is, is negativity on top of that. And it's not like I go home and I just think, oh, yeah, I'm not really bothered and we move on to the next day. It's something that really rips me inside mm. out and something that really, really digs deep into me for them until we get that next win. Um, hopefully, hopefully people will respect the fact that that's how much I care for, for, for getting the results right. But I know my players went home on, on Tuesday and not one of them kidded themselves. There's honesty amongst them and, and I think they will tell you that they know that there's more to come from them as well. And it hurts them when they lose. So we're all in the same boat. Having a team picture here today, seeing the way the players are together, there's a real sense of unity amongst the group and a real, a real good core group of people who are very dedicated on trying to be successful here. 
Who are your main rivals, do you think, for promotion? Well, we're going to have the shoulders on Tuesday. They're obviously the, the, the immediate contender. Um, but it's not about me to, to speak about other clubs or who is or who isn't. Because if you, if you start looking and say, oh, look, what well, should be doing? And you look, oh, Blackburn or whatever, or Oxford or, or MK or whoever. Um, listen, with all due respect, I couldn't really care less about yeah. anybody else. It's... You know, we were beaten well and truly by Wigan and they've allowed us to reset our bar. Whatever they finish, we'll be down to their own quality and their own players they have in their club. Same as us, it's not about other people. It's, it's not. Sometimes you can get so attached to other people's results and other people's failings or successes. Well, it's about controlling what you can control and that's your own results. A couple of things on injuries. It's been Reeves. He started running, yeah. He's... Uh, he had a second scan yesterday, so it's giving you all clear and the, and the green light to, to really push on. In um, No, no, no. The, the physio was saying that he's got to run. He's <laughs> um, <laughs> asking me other physios. <laughs> um, no, listen, it's, it's about, again, the bigger picture is he's got to be fit for the remaining 30 games of the season is the objective. Not to get him fit for one or two and missing for another five or six, which is which is the stupid side of it. And that's the bit that me knowing how good he was trying to put him right into the team when he first walked in the building. Okay, it worked and won us a game, but it was uh, it, it's actually a fact of him not being available for some of the, the previous games. So yeah, and Marsh he's just gone outside running today, which is a tremendous step in the right direction. And um, we know again he's a, he's a top quarter player that we know we can't do without, and hopefully he'll be back ready and ready to go very shortly. So there you go, that was Carl Robinson. Um, sounds like I was recording on a potato there. It, it, wasn't, so it wasn't the best uh, quality, but I think we got the gist of it. Looking ahead to uh, Saturday's game with uh, Rock Bottom Gillingham. We had an email, uh, a tweet earlier, actually, from Sean Murphy. He says, Saturday's game at Gillingham will be a test of how far we've come mentally, physically and morally. In previous seasons, we will have collapsed after a defeat. And I guess, you know, like I said, Carl wants to know how we are going to react from a setback. And we've had one now. You mean, last time we lost against uh, Plymouth we came out in our next league game and we absolutely thrashed Northampton by 4-1 so that's the sort of reaction you'll be looking for and you're going to a Gillingham team who've started the season in very bad form yeah they beat Ipswich in pre-season which is nothing special is yeah, it? everyone does that everyone was doing that they were clearly um, saving themselves for the championship season which yeah. started very well uh, and they've beaten Southend in checker trade and, and that's it um, aside from that as you say rock bottom three points from three draws and that's it um, yeah it's all about how we react there's no reason if we hadn't lost that game on Tuesday, we'd be going in saying this is one we're going to win comfortably. Um, and just because we've had that little setback, I don't think we should change our opinion of that. We have to go there, we have to play our game. It's something I've said every time, especially when we've been playing teams that are down the bottom there. We have to go and impose our style on them. Um, we're not going to have the sort of opposition that we had on Tuesday night and I see no reason why we why we shouldn't win this game. But what sort of game do you expect? Because, I mean, if you look at the, the away games we've had recently, so obviously we had Plymouth where we did try and take it to them. I think Rotherham where we, we, we knew how to set up and we were you know, not defensive as such, but we were certainly, you know, solid and, and yeah. organised. And then we went to an Oldham game where, we again, we were very open in the first 20 minutes and played some of the best football we've seen this season. Uh, but then through that, through a bit of naivety, let the other team back in. So how, how do you think we set up for this one? I think it's going to be a mix of of the Plymouth and the Oldham games. Um, I think we're going to come out and, put, and play our expansive football because... For all we've said about Carl not having a plan B, that's what he wants from his team. So I don't think he's going to get them playing any other way to start with. If we go a goal up, you would hope that then we would be a bit more defensively solid than we were in in uh, those two games. But I think, yeah, we're going to play expansive football. I, I don't think Gillingham have got a lot to offer in return. Um, having said that, I didn't think Oldham would and they managed to get three goals against us. So 
if we can score first, which again, I think we've seen, particularly on Tuesday night, it's shown how important that is. I think then we need to look at defensive solidity. But yeah, I would expect the same free-flowing attacking football that we've seen in recent weeks. Mm. Uh, do you expect any changes? Obviously, we saw Cashy came off about mm. about, about seventy minutes on on Tuesday. Now, uh, I mean, Carl did say today that he's not. He, he probably won't make any changes. I mean, do you think that's bluffing or anything like that? I don't think Reeves is going to be back just yet. I think. Is there anything you would change? I would like to see Cashy or Forster Kasky rested. Um, I'd like to see Konza come in, partly because I think there's no harm in rotating in that position, and partly because I think. Konza needs a bit more game time because if something more serious happens to one of them, he needs to be able to step in. So I wouldn't have any aversion to that. I think Fosu, maybe I wouldn't mind seeing him come out and Kag go in there. Um, I think he probably will start the same side and he said he wants to give them a chance to rectify the wrongs of Tuesday, which I think is fair enough. I think when Marshall and Reeves come back, this is the sort of game where we'd be much more likely to see those attacking changes. Um but yeah, so I personally, I'd like to see a couple. I don't think we will. Um, but as I say, I think we've got no excuses to to not win Saturday because we've got, as I say, fourteen, fifteen good good players there who are playing a, a poor Gillingham side, and, and we need to go there thinking we can get all three points. Hmm. Right. Uh, obviously, Nathan's uh, still on his honeymoon, uh, so he's not here to do the cashy back bet. So, Tom, you put yourself in the hot seat this week. That went well, didn't yeah, it? Put a two pound. <laughs> Uh, to, well, yeah, you put two pound fifty on Ricky Holmes to score first, and accidentally you put it on Gillingham to win three one. So you've got that yeah. covered just in case. But the official cashy back bet is Ricky Holmes to score first, Charlton to win three uh, one. Two pound fifty is on at sixty to one. So potential prof prof of one hundred and fifty pounds, which should of course go to the upbeats if we were to win. Uh, is that your official match prediction as well? Uh, I suppose it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. No, I'm going to say Gillingham are going to win 3-1. So. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I, basis. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I'll go with that. I'll stick with it. Cool. Well, let's hope that Tom is right and that we can win some money for the upbeats. Uh, right, this has been Charlton Live, the big match preview. Looking ahead to Saturday's uh, red-hot Kent derby with Gillingham. Uh, you know, get, just uh, just be very careful out there on those feet, <laughs> on the mean streets of Medway. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining us. Cheers, Louis. Thank you. Uh, thank you, of course, to Matt Holland, who joined us on the phone earlier. And don't forget to come to the Legends game on Sunday here at the Valley. That's the, the best thing that's going to happen at the Valley this season, I promise you, uh, unless we get promoted, of course. But yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Don't miss it. Get your tickets. Come down to the Valley on Sunday for the Legends game. Let's hope there's three points for Charlton on Saturday at Gillingham. I've been Louis Mendes. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you back here on Sunday evening. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.